there's really no way around it. If you are not talking to your customers on a regular basis and asking them these questions and having face-to-face -face conversations, either as from a founder to a user or CMO to your users, um, you're going to miss a lot of these really in-depth key golden nuggets of why your customers are using the product and what, what is about the pain do you solve um, that cause you cause them to start using the product. We are back for another Lean and Mean episode of the Cold Star Project. I'm here with the founder of the SaaS Growth Hacks group on Facebook, one of my top six groups. It's pinned to the top of my shortcuts, and I go in there every day. Aaron Crawl, thanks for being here, Aaron. My pleasure. I waited to be able to ask you, because I wanted to have more than 20 podcast episodes up. Uh, because at first when I went into that group, they were like, we don't know you, right? And, and now I'm starting to get some traction in there. I've interviewed a bunch of people who have founded some, uh, some really good SaaS uh, companies Great. in there. I think the files area of that group is one of the underutilized asset areas that people should go into. They should click on, go in there, join, click on the files thing in there, and they'll see stuff like uh, how to write an email sequence, fixing, fixing a nurturing sequence, stuff like that. Things that um, it's, it's just often missed in the rush to get in there and start talking to people in that. Yep. So what we're going to talk about today is uh, onboarding, which is a, an issue that I've run into in my own businesses and nobody else has talked about yet. So I think we've got a chance here for you to deliver some real expertise for our listeners. No matter whether they're in a tech business or not, this thing is, uh, I also call it the uh, project start gap. I've written articles about it on LinkedIn. And so let's begin with that, Aaron. What, tell us, I guess, what onboarding is to you. Let's define that term. Uh, so onboarding for me, it includes uh, the process from the moment they land on the site or a, a potential customer lands on the site to the moment that they um, realize the value potential of the product. And then, uh, and then that's probably, it probably stops there. The, 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 the onboarding process doesn't include in my opinion, the actual payment. Hmm. Um, people don't need to pay in order to be onboarded. True. Uh, it just includes getting them to the moment where they realize the value of the product and that it's right for them. Um, and then uh, continuing to reinforce that throughout the, their, their lives as a, as a customer. Okay. How do people screw this up? What are the signals that showed you, oh dear, <laughs> these people have an onboarding problem? Um, there's a few things. Uh, lots of people that I see that have a onboarding problem um, usually usually fall into a few categories. One is they don't understand their market um, or uh, they're trying to serve too many markets. There's a few different software products out there, um, categories, and um, if you're, if you're trying to serve a very broad category uh, and trying to solve everyone's problems, for instance, if you own like a CRM, there's lots of competitors for CRMs and trying to go after everyone who needs a CRM is gonna be really, really hard for you to convert, uh, convert paid users because there's so many options out there and you don't have a differentiator. Um, so that's, that's probably the, 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 the big one. Um, the second one is having a, uh, it's fo focusing on features versus benefits. Um, I see a lot of SaaS companies who are just brilliant 
at building a product and solving a problem, um, but positioning that product in a way that uh, helps people see that you can solve their problem is a unique skill, and it's it's not something that you it comes naturally. Like I've had I've had to work against a lot of my natural instincts to develop this muscle to kind of position a product in a way that's appealing to the right market and and not fall into the feature focused uh, kind of promotion. So so those are probably one of the two big mistakes that I see um, people people making. Then there's other ones like. Um, not having a trigger-based onboarding process. So there's drip emails that go out to everyone and they're all the same. Um, not trying to figure out why people didn't convert. So not having a troubleshooting campaign. Um, and then also things like reinforcing the, um, uh, the, the purchase decision. So that will include things like um, introducing new products and services that, or, or features that they haven't used yet, that if they did use, they would become even a better and more um, uh, more evangelical user. So those are probably, I would say those are probably the top things. Makes sense. I see a lot of uh, tech founders who develop some technical expertise, right? They learn how to switch this to that or do something that that is a technological achievement. But then when it comes to marketing, that's a different story, right? And, if, and I, I was looking at a guy who does uh, cloud-based server stuff over the weekend. And I was groaning because I'm looking at his sales page and it's feature, 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 feature. And I was like, gosh, if I'm not a CTO looking at this, I'm, I'm not going to understand what you're talking about or why this matters. That's right. the key thing there, right? Why does this matter? Mm -hmm. What about folks who have a, a solution and they're getting paid, they're getting some customers to it, but they clearly have this onboarding problem. They may not have known what to call it. And they say, well, wait a minute, Aaron, I know what my target market is. I've got buyers, but they're not, they're still having these challenges, right? They don't know where that process is broken, let's say. What do you say to them? Um, so the first process we go through is uh, we do, I call it the, um, the niche dive. So it's really, it's really digging into the market that you're serving. And so there's, there's two kind of paths that I suggest for people. Um, one is that you have a product that's very, very general and you're getting lots and lots of signups and you don't want to just like focus on one segment and ignore everyone else. So in that case, I, I, I suggest creating a, a, um, a separate, um, niche path for that, for that audience. So that's duplicating the homepage and then positioning for a separate niche and then going after that niche specifically. Okay. You leave every, everything else in going to the homepage. The other thing um, uh, so, so once we, and, and the other, there's other SaaS products who solve a, a very, very specific problem for, for a very, very, very specific market. And so usually those are the ones that don't have a problem with sales because the founders come from that specific market. And so they they are their customers. And so typically on average, they understand the pain point. So there's a less of a problem, um, with that, uh, cause they inherently know how to communicate uh, and especially if they're if they're like a demo product, they know that they know the customer's pain language. Um, but if you don't understand the the, let's say you're somewhere in the middle, or you don't fit in any of those, and you just you're just like we're just getting customers and we don't know what's happening. Um, the niche dive is the process we go through, and that's one is picking a segment to focus on, and then two is digging deep into that segment and then figuring out. There's two types of um, question sets we have. One is for 
pain discovery and pain exploration. And then the other one is around product exploration. So we ask current customers, what is it about the product that you love? What couldn't you live without? Um, uh, what is the moment you realize the product was for you with those questions? And then pain focuses on why did you use this product or search for this product in the first place? And then once you kind of start to like gather this qualitative data and ask the right questions, um, these, these things will come out and you'll start seeing, oh, like we as a product aren't addressing this specific issue. Uh, and this is something that our customers really want, or this is something that um, is really important to them. So that will come out in a lot of these paid exploration. Um, there's really no way around it. If you are not talking to your customers on a regular basis and asking them these questions and having face-to-face -face conversations, either as from a founder to a user or CMO to your users, um, you're going to miss a lot of these really in-depth key golden nuggets of why your customers are using the product and what, what is about the pain do you solve um, that cause you cause them to start using the product. So that's, that's the, the first thing that I would say is first, let's understand your market. Let's dig into your market, find out why they converted um, and then go from there. Great. And you've got some specific language terminology about this called the blindfold phase, which, which I love. I love it when yeah. founders make up a term and then it becomes this secret language that, uh, that people who are following that process use with each other. So is that what we're talking about here? That blindfold phase of, gee, I don't um, really know why people are signing up. So the blindfold phase is, is when um, a, a founder knows they're getting signups and they know users are converting, but they don't know exactly why. Hmm. Um, there's two parts of that. One is they don't know how users are using the product. Um, and then they, the second part is they don't understand in the onboarding process or they don't see, they just can't see it where users are really getting the value from the product, what hmm. event is happening where they see the value and also, um, where users are dropping off and where the majority of the signups are dropping off. So if you look at, if you look at it like a funnel, um, there's going to be a part in your onboarding process where a lot of the people are dropping off. And if you're not tracking that, if you don't know what moment that is, you're just kind of like shooting, you know, in the dark. So, um, removing the blindfold by doing a pain exploration, um, doing a niche dive, and then also using a tool to help you kind of interpret that data and find out where people are dropping off removes that blindfold. And now you can see clearly like what's happening in your product. So you can make changes that are based on, um, data and what your customers are saying versus just guessing and trial and error, which is, which I see a lot. Right. Happen. Uh, we yeah. all, we all like revenue and cash flow, but often it's better to fail and know why than to succeed and really not know what's happening. <laughs> why right. that, why yeah, that's I agree. going on. I agree. So, huh? That's, that's definitely an experience thing. Um, showing now we get a lot of founders who I see this a lot in, um, other groups, not in your group, but not in the, uh, the SaaS, SaaS growth hack groups. Uh, oh, I'm an introvert, or are you an introvert business owner or something like that, right? And, and I see that as an excuse for staying off the phone or talking directly with customers, right? What do you have to say to uh, a SaaS or tech founder who is kind of nervous about reaching out and making that phone call to find out exactly the truth, right? About what's going on in that customer's world and how they got to be using that solution. 
Um, yeah, so there's a few things. One is people, everybody, the human race loves talking about their problems. You're not going to find anyone who doesn't like talking about their specific problems. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm trying to solve this problem that you might have. Do you have this problem? Yes. Can I talk to you about it to see if there's a way that I might be able to solve it for you? Um, when you come with the approach, you're not trying to sell anything. So the niche dive, we take sales out of it completely. And sales is not even something that we're focusing on. Even the product, even if the product exists, we just want to discover what causes people to act. So um, I don't suggest using a script for something like this. And Dan Martell says this, and I, I totally agree. Uh, you should have specific phrases that you're using in these discoveries um, that uh, that you can bring up and use so that you can that'll guide the conversation. Um, we've and I'm happy to share this with your users. It's uh, we have a pain exploration script that has product questions and pain questions, and um, it's the exact script that we use. Uh, and when I say script, I mean just a list of questions and phrases that we use to interview customers. And the, you know, if you're an introvert, um, the best thing to do is go into this conversation thinking that you're not trying to sell anything. So it takes the pressure off sales. In fact, you could say at the beginning, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I have nothing to sell you. Um, I just want to understand more about the problem that you have. And then once you kind of release that pressure, then the person on the other line is like more willing to kind of to talk about their issues now because they know they're not, it's not a sales call. And then once you have specific questions, you know what to ask, um, uh, then you just ask them. And um, the, two, the two suggestions that I would have are, don't be afraid of silence. When you ask a question, let, the, let your, your customer or your prospect work through things in their head and don't be afraid of silence. Just let them, let them talk. And when there's a pause, don't feel like you have to interject. When you start interjecting and putting in what you feel like they're trying to say, you don't get those gems. Um, and then the second thing that I would suggest is um, asking one of two questions or both. Tell me more about what you just said or that's great. What else? What else is on your mind? Um, and just get them to talk. You should be doing 20% less or even less of the talking and they should be doing 80%. When you start your, to feel yourself talking more and more, stop and say, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking too much. Let's get back to you. Let's focus back on what your problems are and challenges. Um, here's another question. So those are the things that I would suggest, but being an introvert is not, I, I get it. I'm kind of, I'm not a, an introvert per se, um, but I hate getting on the phone. At least I hated getting on the phone and talking to people uh, because it was just so uncomfortable and I didn't know what to say. Um, I've done it hundreds and hundreds of times now, so I'm much less uncomfortable doing it. But I promise that if you uh, start doing it and you focus on, if you have a, a, a format or a formula to use for asking questions and you don't look at it as a sales call, it'll be much easier. Yeah, great, great advice. The information interviews done before you've developed a, a solution are very powerful. Uh, it will keep you from creating something that turns out nobody wants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very, very common. Yeah out there. Uh, also, don't overlook talking to your existing customers. I've interviewed people on this show who founded a SaaS firm and went and called up their customers and uh, customers were astonished that the founder took the time to take uh, a call with them and, mm -hmm. and were more than happy to uh, open the fire hose and <laughs> share all their opinions and experiences and feelings and whatnot with them about that, uh, that interaction.
Awesome. Tell us a little bit about um, paid ads and how that interacts with this onboarding process. Um, so the benefit of having a high converting SaaS or high converting conversion funnel is that you can spend more on ads to acquire customers because you know your conversion rate is higher. So um, I think content marketing is great, SEO is great, but it's not a very consistent, dependable source of traffic. With one change with Google or something happens to your site and you lose you know, thousands of visitors. So I'm not a huge fan of, of that as kind of like a, a, a number one source of traffic. I think you should have multiple sources of traffic. The benefit of paid ads is you have control over it. Um, it, it can be turned up or turned down depending on what, you know, what your budget is. Um, and it's really easy to test new markets too. So if you want to go after a certain segment, you could just highlight a segment, send them to a funnel. Um, but the benefit of having, uh, what I see a lot of challenges with, with founders saying, I can't afford ads. Um, we can't, we can't afford to do it. Um, uh, we don't know how to, you know, convert cause, cause it's not, it's not an ad problem necessarily. Uh, it's, it's a lot of it is the conversion problem. So once you fix the funnel, once you fix the conversions, um, you know that I can spend for every $2 I spend on Facebook, I can make $4 in revenue, five or $6 in revenue because I have a conversion funnel that is taking these cold users and converting them. And that becomes this machine where you can just, if you're making $4 for every $2, there's no reason to put in thousands and thousands of dollars a week or a month in your, in your ads. But if you're not, you're throwing all that money down the drain or you're, or you're baking even, which isn't, I mean, it's not bad, but not, not much better. <laughs> so, so paid ads, once you, once you start identifying the funnel and get it converting higher, paid ads become a huge opportunity for uh, traffic. Right. And I, I, this was brought home to me again this morning. I was on an expert authority site answering a couple questions. And uh, it turned out that the founder I was communicating with did not before I explained it, did not understand that traffic and conversion were two different things. He thought, he thought it was all mashed together into one thing, right? Oh, I got traffic. Why aren't I seeing sales revenue? Well, that's great. You've only got, and I want to highlight this, right? You've only got half the problem solved if you're getting people to hop over from one platform to another, right? That's it. There's more to it than that. So what can... What can people do, what can founders do who have got a, a SaaS and maybe they've, they've done a bit of this onboarding process, but they've got a, a list of expired trial users? Um, so so your, your customer has a pain window. Hmm. Um, and the pain window is either really long or it's really short. Um, or somewhere in between. So for instance, if I'm, if I'm selling a, an app for new brides to, um, uh, to manage their wedding, you know, sometimes those weddings last six months to a year, but when that wedding is done, that pain window is closed. And so they're no longer, no matter what, how amazing your tool is, they don't have that pain anymore. So first you want to identify, um, how, sh how long is my pain window for my customers? Um, if, if they, if they're going to have the pain for a long time, regardless of the fact that they change, uh, businesses or if their customer segments change or if their life situation changes, um, if you know that your customer has a really long 
uh, pain window, then it makes sense to go back into those, um, those users and, and try to re-engage them. There's lots of ways that you can do that. I, I've worked with companies who've had millions of unexpired trial users, and so they're not gonna wanna go to each one individually and say, hey, we wonder why you didn't sign up. But you can automate that process a little bit. One of the, my favorite emails to send out if you have um, a higher ticket uh, product is to send out an email that says, says hey Joe, um, uh, are you still looking to explain the benefit and then your name, that's it. Are you still looking to um, uh, convert uh, increase conversions or are you still looking to book more appointments or are you still looking to build a website? Um, that will get people to respond back and say, yes, I still have this pain. It's still in my window. Uh, and you can automate that process too. You can just say click yes or no, right? And then put them into a funnel or whatever. Um, but first you want to separate those that are that have the pain and that don't have the pain. So clean up the list, clean it up. Um, and then uh, and then you start nurturing them. And there's a whole process that I use for nurturing, but essentially it's just focusing on a pain that they have and then and then explaining helping them to see their pain in a different light so I use analogies and metaphors to do that um, and then uh, and then once they once they've said yes I have this problem and this is a pain that I need you to solve for me getting them back into the funnel uh, to try the product but for most SaaS companies though um, they're the majority of SaaS companies this huge list of unexpired trial users is not really their biggest asset. Most of the time, what I focus on is the current traffic that they're getting to convert that first, because if you send old trial users back into a funnel that's not converting, it's, it's just gonna, they're gonna go right back out again. Right. So once you get that fixed, then you can send those trial users that have expired back into the funnel or re-engage them or what have you. Okay, so if you're sitting there with a pot of leads, the right move might be to wait <laughs> before firing. And it depends. Yeah. It totally depends too. If it's really high value leads, I would get back in contact with them. If you have millions of uh, $3 a month leads, um, probably not, you don't wanna spend time with each one of those leads. So fix your conversion funnel first and then go back with those. So yeah. Right. What have, what is there that you wish people, founders would know about onboarding that we haven't touched on yet? What's the big takeaway you wish? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the bit, one of the big things is that on an onboarded customer doesn't mean that they are, that they've become a paid customer. Hmm. I see, I see a lot of this onboarding stuff and part of the onboarding funnel is that they have to put in their credit card. They have to become a pay, they have to pay. The onboarding, the goal of onboarding is just to get your user to, to see that your, your, your tool can, has the potential to solve their problem. I call it the value switch. It's like a switch that goes on in your customer's head and they realize this is the tool that I've been looking for. After that, a sale is almost like, it's like, and after it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because now all you need to do is say, okay, now that you've seen what our tool can do, here's why you should upgrade or here's why you should pick a plan and here's all the other great benefits you're gonna get and here's what your life is gonna be like and here are all the other things that you're gonna see with this tool in your life. Um, so that's, that's the, uh, the first thing is I wish that but SaaS companies would just see um, the goal is not to get them to put in their credit card, the goal is to get them to that value switch mm -hmm. moment. And the other thing would be 
um, you're not selling a tool. You're not selling a product. You're selling a solution to a problem. People don't care if your tool has AI in it. They don't care if there's a little man, you know, moving the levers and switches. They don't care if there's a whole team of people um, entering in your data as you put it in. They don't care about that. What they care about is that they solve their problem and that you can solve it effectively for them. And so that's, that's all about positioning your product. So instead of, you know, um, our tool is the best tool and it's the easiest tool or does this or does that focus on, um, uh, you won't have this problem anymore when you, if with our tool, here's what we're going to do to help. Um, and so, uh, that would be like the two, probably the biggest things that I wish SaaS companies would focus on. Yeah. That's going to be some big help, uh, for marketing out there. I've been harping on this lately. When do people find out how great you are after they've worked with you? after they've bought in and got the thing right even if it's a free trial offer they still have to get in and play around with the thing all the marketing in the world all you standing there beating your chest saying we're so fantastic and like you say we've got the army of, of ai things behind us it doesn't matter they have to use the thing and see it from the inside and see experience it like how does this work on solving my problem it has to become an individual thing doesn't it right well, I loved having you on today, Aaron. People can go to the SaaS Growth Hacks group in Facebook. Who's the best fit to go in there? I mean, is it just SaaS founders? Um, it's SaaS founders, co-founders, and, um, and uh, CMOs are probably the best. Uh, you're going to get, there's a wide range of people in the group. So it doesn't matter where you're at. You're at 10 million MRR or 10,000 MRR or 10, you know, 1,000 1, <laughs> MRR. Um, there's people in the group that can help you and there's lots of good content in there. So, Awesome. Well, thanks for being our guest today. My pleasure. Thanks, All Jason. Right.